for the blue on blue. The Argos will win for you. Full of fight and courage, you can't stop. They pile up the points until they reach the top. Pull together till the gray cups won. Go Argos, go, go, go. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to episode six of the Argo Bounce Live audio show. And that's our new opening song, uh, courtesy of YouTube and the Toronto Argonauts. And uh, I thought it was great to have an opening song for the Toronto Argonauts. And guess what? I'm looking forward to the game tomorrow night against Calgary Stampeders on Friday, August 25th at 7.30 at BMO Field. It's a CNE game as well. Unfortunately, I've got work commitments this weekend, so I'm not going to be able to attend that game. But my co-host, Nick Small, who will be joining us, will be on here very soon. And uh, let us know what you think of our new opening song for the Argo Bounce Live audio show, a weekly show about the CFL's Toronto Argonauts breaking down and previewing their previous home and road games. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to Nick tonight about the Calgary game and about the CNE experience as well. Good evening, Nick. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Chris. Doing great. Really excited for a really fun Friday night at the CNE coming up tomorrow. It's always one of the landmark games of the Toronto Argonauts season, especially now that they move back to BMO Field. It's such a wonderful thing. You you get into the CNE for free. That's $25 you would normally have to spend now to get in. And uh, getting to go to an Argos game for as little as maybe... Uh, if you take out that $25 to the CNE grounds, try all the crazy food, get to ride on the rides, have, um, shop at all the shops. There's always something for everyone there, and it always makes for a really fun experience. I got to jump the gun real quick because I've got to ask you. You had Jim Barker uh, on your show, I think, on Tuesday. How was that? Oh, I thought it was great. Uh, Jim talked to me for uh, over an hour, and uh, I pretty well could ask him a lot of things, and he was great. Um, the guy, uh, he came from the States and came to the Canadian Football League in 1996. And as you know, he joined the Alouettes in 96 and they had the best record in the league and they lost to Flutie and the Argos. And then the next year he joined the Argos in 97 as the offensive coordinator under the back-to-back Grey Cup champion Argonauts and Don Matthews. And great career, uh, five Grey Cups is total. I think he has three as head coach. And then I think uh, one of the GM and one of the senior advisor, but I was great to have Jim Barker on. And uh, if you haven't uh, watched or listened to our show, uh, please check out my YouTube channel or all my audio platforms such as Apple, Google. And uh, if you're a CFL fan and a Toronto Argonaut fan, check out my show with Jim Barker. 
Yeah, Jim Barker, I think sometimes goes under the radar um, for what he did for the city and for this team in the Toronto Argonauts. I think sometimes you get guys like Pinball, no offense, stand out above him, but Jim Barker really did put his heart and soul into the time he was here for this uh, team in the city for almost two decades, if you go all the way back. So he, he has just such an incredible record and in some of the things he did, like the 2012 season with the bringing in Scott Milanovic and Ricky Ray and yep. how for the centennial, it kind of worked into the absolute perfect miracle season for the Argonauts. And yeah, his role just last year leading to another great cup. Um, yeah, there's not many negative things you can say about Jim Barker and his true commitment and passion for Canadian football and to sort of when it, hearing you talk about it in the in the in the show the other day, uh, just listening about those experiences and how amazing he is still and the CFL game and trying to convince people that it is you you can enjoy it just like uh, the NFL. Yeah, he also mentioned, too, I asked him about this because he's done head coach and GM, and he said it's hard. You have to put 100-plus percent in both, and not everyone can do it. And he goes, look at the teams that are struggling right now, Edmonton, Ottawa, Calgary. they got head coaches that are doing two, three roles right now, and he just says it's just too much to do that. And I think uh, – I can't speak for him, but I think he thinks it's uh, better for a franchise to have one head coach and one GM and, and let the coach – coach and the GM do their job as well because it's it's a lot of commitment it's a lot of work doing one job but let alone two or three roles with an organization yeah Hamilton as well but um yeah I think it's it's it is it's incredibly tough and especially in a nine-team league where the turnaround is just so incredibly quick you can be up at the top one year and then the very next be back down to rock bottom we've seen that with the Argonauts we've seen that with other teams Hamilton Ottawa now it, it can happen in a blink so it is, it is an absolutely incredible uh, incredibly challenging job and to see people who are up to the challenge to try to attempt it is big but um yeah to try to bring the tangible success we saw dave dickinson do it in calgary or sorry um john huffnagel before dickinson do it in calgary for such a long time and then um bringing dickinson in as kind of the the protege and the successor and yeah maybe right now it's not necessarily that it was one thing of poor coaching decisions but it 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 little things add up over time and um in in another way it's kind of rightful place maybe that calgary's had its run at the top it's time for it to kind of go down we see win dynasty now three four years and we'll see what happens maybe it might go back to the bottom and somebody else maybe maybe edmonton will resurrect itself and be right at the top the next five years who knows and that's that's what makes football and, and sports as a whole fun because nobody would like it if, if a team was the finalist for 10 years or 20 years in a row right yeah, and uh, we have a special guest tonight. Uh, he's going to come on for a few minutes. His name is Ken Judge. Uh, he's the host of his own podcast show, uh, Ken's Corner Podcast. Please check it out. It's on all uh, platform, uh, all platforms where podcasts are available. And he's also a fan of the Toronto Argonauts as well. So we're just going to bring on our special guest, Ken Judge. Good evening, Ken. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Chris. How are you? And nice to meet you, Nick. Hey, nice to meet you as well. Welcome aboard. Really excited to have you with us. We talk a little bit about the Argos today and their uh, impending matchup with Calgary tonight. Are you planning on going to the game by any chance? 
Well, I, I was actually in Calgary the last uh, game that we were facing them, and I was that close to going, but I just couldn't find someone to go with me that night. Uh, so I was actually kind of glad, but we did have that injury to uh, Chad Kelly. So hopefully uh, we have a, a little bit of redemption time in our in our uh, sights tomorrow night. Hey, Ken, uh, can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your uh, podcast show where they can listen to it and find it on? And uh, also, uh, how did you become a Toronto Argonauts fan as well? Okay, well, I'll start with the Argonauts because I just love talking about the Argos. I've been a fan since I don't know how old I was. Uh, I actually played football for uh, Pickering High School Trojans, and uh, our coach was actually a former Argonaut player. So my love started, I guess, for around grade nine, so about 14 years old. I'm 56 now. And uh, I, I'm, uh, I like to say that I don't think I've missed a victory parade in the last, uh, since the 90s when Rocket Ismail caught that big touchdown in the end zone with that snowball coming at him. So, yeah, uh, it's been a long time and uh, it's great to be on talking about the Argonauts. Uh, as far as Ken's Corner, you can find me uh, most bestly, actually, on Facebook. I, I do have a, a good little following there. And I post all, all my episodes. Uh, I seem to be doing a lot of uh, WWE style wrestlers. Uh, there are lots of fun to come on, but I enjoy having uh, other people on. As Chris Pompey, actually, we have an episode that's going to be releasing here in, uh, shortly in the next day or two, Chris. I think I found another guest for you, too, if, if you ever want. I think my co-host, Nick Small, uh, would make a good guest on your show as well with his knowledge of the, the Toronto Argonauts, the love of the team, and his passion uh, for the Canadian Football League. Well, I am a little upset that he got your ticket, not me. But <laughs> on, on the other note, Nick, I would love to have you on and, and have your knowledge uh, being uh, talked in front of my audience. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to come on. I've always loved preaching the gospel of Toronto's most successful and greatest sports team. So I would absolutely love to come on. And uh, yeah, if we can spend some time talking about it, especially with someone like yourself who has spent so many years following the team. In my position, I've, I'm a history MA, so I have a, a big interest in learning about the history of the team. And I like to think I have a decent amount of knowledge, but I'm always trying to learn more and to hear it from people who actually saw some of the greats like um, Rocket Ishmael, for instance, um, guys like Tobin Road or um, uh, uh, whoever. I'm, I'm blanking at the top of my head on the Doug Flutie. <laughs> yeah. Doug, Doug Flutie, Joe Kroll, Dick Shadow. There's Joe a couple Arts. more. Yeah, so there's all kinds of great guys, and it's really cool to share some of those stories and, and uh, preach some more knowledge. Um, what do you think about Chad Kelly so far? Is he maybe the best quarterback we've had since Flutie? Well, he's starting to look like it. Let's hope that we can keep his injury list down so and keep him on that field. Once he's on that field, though, he's dynamic and probably the best in the CFL, if you're if you're asking me. But, uh, I mean, I am uh, a little bit on the Argonaut side, so I don't see too many others as, as being as good as he is. But, I mean, we are 7-1. and And if you actually factor in the fact that he was injured in that Calgary game, uh, he's actually 7-0. and So... Yeah, I, I believe he's the best uh, quarterback in the game to answer your question, Nick. Uh, Nick, uh, not Nick, uh, but I was going to ask you, Ken, uh, being a lifelong Argonaut fan, uh, what are some of your uh, favorite Argonaut moments and some of your favorite Grey Cup victories? And there's been eight of them since 1983. 
yeah it's it's hard it's hard to name name uh the the best of them but i do remember big games from uh, like i said that rocky ismiel uh catch in the end zone uh, i believe it was and there was a snowball that came at him i believe that's got to be one of my favorite moments but i mean the doug flutie era and um a few other guys like Joe Barnes and uh, Pinball Clemens, like, come on, like, so many moments from Pinball. Uh, this team just last year, I was jumping around with uh, the two guys that I had here over for a beer watching that game and thought, oh, my God, we're going to lose it in a kick. With that kick in the, in the final seconds there, that block has got to be go down as one of my favorite all-time moments, and it was just last season. Absolutely. Nick, yeah. you have another question for uh, for uh, Ken? Yeah, for block that, especially after the moments before taking that penalty for the face mask that arguably put a, could have cost them the game, and then for him to come back and make an even bigger play for them to win. I think I think that's what made it the most special and rewarding of it all because it it really epitomizes fighting through adversity and 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 coming through when clutch when all the pressure is on to do something really big um uh, i also think about that 2012 gray cup too which was pretty special just with it being the centennial and, and being celebrated at home and again kind of like uh, tomorrow playing calgary and pulling off that big win was was really exciting yeah, it seems like the last couple of times we faced Calgary in the finals, they had quite the heck of a team, or Winnipeg as in last year. But we always mm -hmm. seem to come through when it comes it matters the most in in those final games. Absolutely. Sorry, ahead, I can point something out really quick. So I found out this stat looking at the game notes for tonight's game, or sorry, tomorrow night's game. Um, Calgary has beaten Toronto the last 16 appearances since 2014. They've won 15 of them. So they're 15 and one, but they lost the one that mattered, which was the Grey Cup in 2017. So, you know, if we had to win only one game against Calgary, I will take that game. Yeah, we've had some issues with Calgary in the past, that's for sure. But uh, that's why I kind of uh, deem it tomorrow as um, our redemption game. <laughs> Hey, Ken, so. before, yeah, Ken, before we let you go, um, what are your keys and thoughts on the uh, Argo game against Calgary tomorrow night? And what do you feel they can do differently than they didn't do uh, in their 20-7 to loss to Calgary a couple weeks ago on the road? Well, our defense has really got to step it up. I'm seeing that uh, we're, we're eighth in the league in, in yards passing against, so maybe if we can cut that down a little bit. And, uh, of course, keep Chad Kelly in that game and in the driver's seat uh, would be optimal. Nick, any final thoughts for uh, Ken before we let him go? Yeah, kind of if we're just going to bounce on going off the same question, I think what's really interesting when you look at how they played in that Calgary game, it's not like the year before where they got slapped something like 40-whatever to, to two or something. like they. It, it really got derailed just because of that Chad Kelly injury and then having to kind of go backups in for the rest of the game. Um, what I, but when you look at it defensively, what's really interesting is that, yeah, the yardage they've given up hasn't been good, but um, we see this from Jake Meyer a lot, not just against Toronto, but across the league. He seems to have this tendency where he can rack up really good yardage, but I don't think he ever threw the ball more than 10, maybe 15 yards down the field once. He doesn't seem, he, he seems to get yardage and 
first downs, but they never seem to be able to punch it down in the end zone. And a, a 20 to three loss kind of epitomizes that because they're it's not like they got crushed. If if Chad had stayed in, they you got to think that they could have at least put one more touchdown and have made a made a closer game out of it. So it'll be really interesting, I think, coming up tomorrow to see. Um, assuming that, of course, Chad is healthy the entire game, whether or not they'll be able to. Um, to drive down to punch some more points in on the board. And then um, if the defense plays the same, I think they got just the same chance of winning on the other and like 27 to 20 or something like that. You're hundred percent right. If Chad Kelly was uh, still in that game, I fully believe we'd be talking about an eight and Argo team right now. Uh, I just mm-hmm. do want to add that I am uh, actually back on radio uh, here in my local station. It's called Whistle Radio. It's on mm-hmm. 102.9 FM. Uh, yep. It's out, out of Stouffville, and um, I'm going to be with my host, my co-host, Joe Moyer, coming up in September. And our show is called Sports Timeout. Thank you so much, guys, for having me on here today. It's been quite the, quite the pleasure. And you know what? I've actually not been going on live at all since I started podcasting. So this is a new feeling for me. And I totally appreciate that from you guys. No problem, Ken. And again, where can my audience uh, uh, watch and listen to your podcast show again, just to plug your show? Yeah, I'm on YouTube. I'm on uh, Facebook. That's the easiest uh, spots to uh, watch me. Um, Spotify, iHeart, Deezer. Uh, I do do the buzz trout. So all the main ones that come from that, that area. Um, but they're the main ones right there. Thank you. And what's the best way of somebody contacting you, Ken? Well, they they can pick up a phone if you really want my cell number. You can have that. But um, you can just message me or you can uh, send me a message at Ken, uh, Ken's Corner Podcast at gmail.com. It's probably the easiest way. All right. Well, Ken, uh, I want to say thank you so much for coming on here. And after our show's done, I will send you a video and audio copy of our show. And when's our show airing too, Ken? That I was uh, well, I was just asking my editor to do the same thing today. They're actually taking off on a flight to Italy next week. So they're in the middle of packing up, but I'm pushing them to hopefully have it out by tomorrow, Chris. I was, ho- I was actually very hopeful for today, but I'm thinking we're going to be uh, tomorrow. Okay, and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to your next show, Ken, and uh, also having Nick on your show at some point. And, Ken, we'll definitely have you back on here again, and I hope you liked uh, the StreamYard. I think StreamYard is better than Zoom, and it's a great platform for shows. Yeah, I love the way it looks. And, Nick, I'm waiting for you. Just send me an email of your timetable when you're available, and I will accommodate you as as soon as as possible that you you can be uh, ready for us. Uh, sounds great. I appreciate that, Ken. I look forward to joining you. I'll make sure to get in contact with Chris as well to help. And um, yeah, it, it, fortunately, my schedule tends to be pretty light. If it's not when I'm working and it's not during an Argos game, I'm usually pretty free. So uh, well, yeah, we'll, you know. we'll arrange that pretty soon. <laughs> that sounds good. I don't think I have anything ready for release next week. So if you're if you're that free, then let's uh, let's get up and let's get her going. <laughs> Amazing. Oh. Thanks again, Ken. Have a great day, and and let's go Argo. Sorry, Chris. Thanks, Ken. And uh, again, that was Ken Judge from Ken's Corner Podcast for coming on here tonight. And Ken, thank you so much, and go Argos, and we'll talk to you soon, bud. Yeah, let's give it a big Argos! Have a good day, guys. Argos! There you go. (laughs) Good night, boys. Good night, Ken. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
All right, Nick, uh, thoughts on having Ken Judge on uh, our show tonight? Uh, I think longer. This was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, it kind of makes up for missing a lot two weeks ago with David Morissuti, getting to kind of bounce off ideas and, and uh, having a shared perspective uh, on the game. Another voice in is always really exciting to have. So, um, and yeah, now I'm really excited to make an arrangements to be on another show with him uh, as a guest. It's, it's a lot of fun. And that's what I found is really cool at this community. Just getting to, getting to share interests with other people and, and sharing enjoyment of things like the Toronto Argonauts, for instance. I was on a podcast last night uh, with a gentleman named Ray from uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and he loves the Canadian football. He he grew up watching it in Nashville on uh, ESPN2, ESPN3, and he doesn't know why more Canadians are not proud of their league. He, he loves, obviously he loves the NFL being in the States, but he loves the Canadian football league. So uh, I was on his show last night for... 30 minutes or whatever it's on youtube if you want to check it out and we talked canadian football league with him and 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 how he got into it as well sounds like we got to mail him some argos merch later on definitely so and i i'm going to try to get him some contacts as well but yeah i love doing this show and connecting with people and and david came on a couple weeks ago he filled in for you don't worry you're not being replaced but he was a great guy and and then tonight we had ken and then last week we had sean bowen on as well so i'm gonna work on uh nick uh try to get some more guests for our shows in the future as well and this is already our sixth episode uh in this new format yeah, and we're already halfway through the season. It's a little weird for the Argonauts because they've spent three of them on the bye week and uh, have ran out of them already, whereas some have only spent one. I'm, I'm tr- I don't know if there's a team that hadn't spent any yet, but I think, uh, uh, yeah, the Argos are at a little bit of disadvantage pos- position as they run the gauntlet. The one positive thing about it, though, is that um, of their the ten weeks coming up. Um, their farthest they have to travel is west to Edmonton, Winnipeg, and then um, all the remainder of their games are, are within uh, the Eastern Division, and that makes Montreal the farthest, which isn't really too bad. You, If you're in a struggle, you can get there in a day. Absolutely, and that leads to our first question tonight, Nick. What are your thoughts on the matchup with the uh, Calgary Stampeders on Friday night at BMO Field? And Calgary's pretty well had our number since 2016, except for the Grey Cup. So thoughts on the matchup, and do you feel the coaching staff, Dimwitty, Corey Mace, etc., are going to have some new wrinkles in in uh, in for the uh, Calgary Stampeders team tomorrow night? Yeah, I think so. I, I see this as I know some people don't see it as quite important because still seven and two, but I think this is actually quite an important game because they're coming off their last bye week. Um, I think they've played most of them, if not all of them, at home right after. They have a six and no record, I believe, what I saw on the um, um, on the game notes at home, uh, and they're playing a Calgary team that. Yeah, beat them, but it wasn't like it wasn't like they got absolutely dismantled like last year. They 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 it was kind of a lack of offense with the injury to Chad Kelly. So they've got a lot of proof that that they can take it to this Calgary team that's had their number over the last couple seasons. I think this is a game where they're really going to fire high on all cylinders, especially in front of a a CNE home crowd, which is typically broad. 
even more energy and excitement to games than we've seen uh, some other times that they that they play throughout the year and even in past seasons. So for them, I think it's going to be a, a really key thing and to really channel that energy, um, the CNE emotions, and and to really bring it to a Calgary team that's had their number. They should be fired up to try to get something, get a win out of them. What kind of a crowd are you expecting tomorrow night? Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to to attend a game, but I'll be watching on TSN. But what, what what's your what are you, what's your prediction for uh, a figure for that uh, well, game? Well, part of the good news is that they did end up opening up the northern side directly underneath the scoreboard. There's some wow. temporary seating, yeah. So they've I know the middle two sections they've opened up, which is probably around another thousand in each, five hundred maybe we'll say. So there's a good amount there, an extra thousand, which I'm hoping will mean we're around the 15,000 mark. And uh, the team's done a really big job in promoting this game. So I think although we don't have the upper eastern side open, I think we're going to have a very good attendance for this game by Argo standards. And I think anything above 15K would be a huge success. What time are you going to be getting down to the game with? Um, so for me, I was lucky enough, thanks to my amazing people at Goldline Curling Supplies. We have worked incredibly hard over the last week. And fortunately, both myself and my brother were able to get tomorrow off. So we are going to spend the whole day down there, which is so much fun. Um, I highly encourage anybody when it's a CNE game. You absolutely have to take advantage of it. You got to go down as early as you can. The ground's open at 10. Uh, you don't have to be there that early. But when you get there early, there's less lines to deal with. It makes it easier to get food and go on rides and things like that. There's all kinds of really cool confections. Um, some of them this year have been a bit more disappointing, I hate to say it. But um, there's some things that are really, really good. Like if you get a chance, you got to try that holy moly cannoli with um, um, veal and hickory sticks and wrapped in a cannoli with some sprinkles. Like it's, it's a, it sounds weird, but it is insanely tasty. And, and um, um, there's some uh, all, all the normal carnival classics. Um, I think of the roasted corn, the turkey legs, um, um, corn dogs are some of my favorite because they just they when you taste those you you can never go back to a pogo stick they taste horrible by comparison, so it's it's just makes such a really fun day trip to really to really enjoy it and and milk the experience. There's something for everyone when you go down there and and getting a football game for ten bucks after twenty five dollars admission is 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 pretty good if you look at it in that perspective so you gotta you gotta go early have you been to the cne this year or is tomorrow your first time i happen to go during the warriors day parade um i've tried to make it a tradition the last couple of years when we've gone and in the past yargos have made it easy because that's normally when they they have their game but uh this year it was a little bit later um, but it, it still worked out okay the warriors day parade was a lot of fun and it's always really cool show appreciation and respect for members of the armed forces uh, people past and present who have given their lives for our country it's it's an important thing that that uh, that i think we value as canadians and and it's it always means a lot when uh, everybody's out there and shows their respect and support and yeah and using it to be there early to scout some of the sites and try some of the foods before it gets too busy later on in the year is uh, is uh, one big advantageous thing as well. Are you going to try the cheeseburger ice cream? 
I did. I actually tried that the last week I was there, and uh, surprisingly, it was not the worst thing I had there. If if you guys follow me on Twitter or X or whatever it's called, I always do a CNE themed food uh, um, blog post, whatever you want to call it, um, called Small Eats CNE, um, and I try to go through as many weird, strange things too. That, that I see and, and try around uh, along with myself, my brother, who's a pretty big foodie as well, and my mom. We we always uh, try some of the strange things and some of the normal things. So if you get a chance and need some recommendations on what to try or what to avoid, uh, give that a look. I think most of my uh, fellow Argos fans though, will be disappointed to hear that Franz is not there this year. So the Thanksgiving waffle is not available, sadly. And... Um, do not have the Thanksgiving poutine in its place because you will be severely disappointed. And there, for anybody that's listening or watching that are beer drinkers, what would you recommend at the CNE? Um, so there are a lot of good places to try um, your favorite beverages. Um, there is a Western themed bar um, west of the food building. There is a beach bar. Um, I think it's most. You know, I didn't go there this year, but there, I think it was Muskoka um, Brewery Beers. Um, it's west of the uh, Intercare Center. My always go-to place is the Jazz Bar that's right in the middle of the convention center. That is one of my favorite places to go. They've got a really good selection of craft beers. You can get a bottle of wine for 45 bucks if you don't want beers. Um, there's also another little um, mini bar just east of BMO field kind of tucked away in a corner uh, outside which is also um, a nice place there you can also get craft drinks from that one um if so if you're looking for places to go and drink i would go to the jazz bar because you get some sort of craft beers that you don't normally get i'm, I'm not too big on the the sort of overly corporate stuff of like you know Coors, bud molson mm -hmm. it's always nice to treat yourself with something that's a that's a little bit unique Definitely. And uh, do you and your brother do any rides at the CNE? We used to. We don't so much anymore at the CNE, but um, I, I do want to consider maybe giving the Ferris wheel, the new Ferris wheel, a, a try. The old Ferris wheel is there as well. Um, and you can kind of see it for comparison then, which is nice. And it's probably around. I guess about 50% higher up, maybe a little bit more um, than the old one. And the old one still is kind of open top, whereas the, the new one is is like you're in a kind of a closed pod, kind of like um, some of the ones in London. Um, so if you're if if you're worried about just kind of the open air at that fear of heights, it might it might be a bit less intimidating if you're kind of closed in. So um, or it may not if you're claustrophobic, I don't know. But um, yeah, I might give that a try. But um, for me, rides have been more kind of a wonderland thing, more more or less now. We've kind of outgrown the CME rides. All right. And we're going to get back into talking the Toronto Argonauts. Um, <laughs> you mentioned before, uh, Nick, uh, Calgary's really dominated this series since 2016. Mm -hmm. They've also won the last three head-to-head -head matchups and are 5-1 and one in their last six games. I don't like to go back to 2016. And uh, what are some of the reasons for their success against the Toronto Argonauts, specifically the last couple of years? Yeah, there's a number of things that could maybe play in a factor of it. Um, back then, of course, Calgary was the 
the best team in the league. And I think we've seen it differently now in, in more recent years uh, of just sheer dominance across the league. Um, I think what probably has a big factor into it is that um, there are guys like Ryan Dinwiddie and Corey Mace who came out of that Calgary camp. So there's a little bit of that animosity or that belief to prove that like, you know you, you what systems your opponents are playing and that you can do it better. And uh, Calgary has had uh, good defensive players, especially um, guys like Micah Awe and Cam Judge, who have really, and and uh, Dustin Rose uh, the last week against Toronto, guys who have really been able to have their sort of standout game against Toronto and really shut them down defensively. And I mean, last uh, the last game is, was a little bit hard to say because of the, the injury to Chad Kelly. It, it absolutely would have made a difference if he had have stayed in. And I, I understand the reasons why you didn't want to if you're Dinwiddie, just, just in case, because you don't want to lose him for the whole year. Um, but but those kind of things do do play some major factors in, and that whole offense stagnated. The, um, I I would attribute it mostly to defensive play, um, and um, just I guess knowing kind of reading their minds and knowing what kind of plays you can expect from Dinwiddie and Mace, and being able to counter that. Absolutely, and. Uh... You know, we also got some former Argonauts on the Calgary Stampeders too. Marquise yeah. Ambles and Shaq Richardson, and uh, and um, who are some other key players on that Stampeders uh, team that we should uh, keep an eye, yeah. out, well, eye uh, out for Friday? Yeah, while well, Ambles went back to uh, to Calgary, eh? he'll be he'll be uh, playing against us this week. Um, uh, Jamal Campbell play probably, but he's now on the injured list. Um, um, uh, Mills is playing, um, Dietrich Mills. Um, so Kadeem Carey is going to be sitting off. So that's a guy to watch in running back position. Um, one of the guys I think you can never Paredes, and I know he missed the, the kick last week to, to win their game, but, um, Paredes has come clutch more often than not and is easily one of the best kickers in CFL history and has a proven pedigree. So um, especially in a field like BMO where wind is always a factor, um, that's that's another big guy I would consider watching on this uh, Calgary team. I think, I think if we're kind of flipping it on its head now and talking about some of the weaknesses, I think it's going to be um, the big, I mean, I mentioned Jamal Campbell, but they also lose Bryce Bell um, on the six-game injured list this week, which is a huge loss. And I don't think their offensive line is quite the same tier they were when they were in Western Finals and winning Grey Cups uh, back when Bo Levi Mitchell was with them. So I think that's a weakness. And, and potentially the, the DB core, um, Toronto struggled. Chad Kelly made that one big pass down the field. Uh, um, loss, which was their only... Uh, big touchdown, but um, they don't seem to do. They didn't seem to do much else against them. But um, I don't think their Calgary secondary is quite as good as Toronto's receiving core. So um, I think I think you got to kind of challenge them throwing the ball down the field more. I actually, I was going to bring that up with you, Nick. Mm -hmm. Everybody's thinking, oh, yeah. obviously, I want to establish the run with AJ and Andrew, but I really think the Argonauts. If I was thinking like one of their coaches, I think I would. 
it would be simple to go with the running game, get that going. But I think the Argos in, in this game, I feel in the first quarter, I feel they're going to try to attack Calgary secondary uh, going with the deep ball. And then once that works, they'll start getting the running game in there as well. That's how I, I think they're going to attack yeah. Calgary in the first quarter. Yeah, that's a really good point there. They, I, I hope to see the same thing out of it because I think you can go right for the jugular there really early in the game. We off with um, some dives or off tackle runs and they'll throw they'll throw that um, swing or screen pass kind of early on to just stretch the field a little bit that doesn't go for very much um, but I think there's definitely an opportunity there where Chad might be able to go deep really early in and we saw in, in the moments that Chad Kelly did play that game um, Calgary was really aggressive with their D they threw in the blitz packages really early to try to get Toronto in the second and long situations um, in those two or three drives that Ka uh, Chad Kelly started. So um, I think you're going to probably see that out of the Calgary playbook again. And the best way to counter is if, if they're going to throw everybody in on Chad, have everybody run all flies and, and throw deep because uh, that's what, that's kind of what happened and that Ottawa did to them early in, in the game uh, uh, two weeks ago when they um, Ottawa, Ottawa ran all flies, the Argos blitzed and, and boom in a one-on-one -on -one, Marky Campbell's got beat. So, um, or sorry, um, uh, Royce Metchie, I think it was my mistake. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, I think the kind of thing you got to do. And Ken, uh, Ken's still watching us. He said, thank you for having us on tonight. Well, thanks, Ken, for coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm looking forward to having you on his show as well. And, uh, okay, we're going to get to some other keys. Um, what, other, what are some other keys for an Argonaut win against Calgary? Obviously, to me, one of the keys is playing a clean game. Uh, mm -hmm. Avoiding turnovers uh, like they did the last time. And I really feel Javon Leak. Is going to try. I think Javon Leak's got it in his head about that Calgary game, and I really think he's going to be a factor in this game. And don't be shocked if he has another, uh, either a kickoff or a punt return for a touchdown in this game. Yeah, that's a really good point. Leak had that. There was that um, moment where they they drove down they and they could have scored, but they threw in a play that turned around that game at halftime was Javon Leak fumbling that return. So. Yeah, especially in front of a home crowd, um, with the with the wind that benefits returning and and some of the blocking is gone. I think he is definitely going to look to break some big ones. He's the guy who leads the league right now in punt return yards and has three touchdowns. So, um, he's definitely a big guy to watch for in this game. Um, if I can say one more, the kicking situation for Toronto. Um, right now, John Haggerty is in as a game time decision. He was. Um, he was kind of the big injury question uh, coming into this week because he didn't um, practice much with a nagging knee injury. Because not only does he do the punting duties, like we know Boris Beattie can can punt just as well as Haggerty, but the big question is, is he's the holder normally. So do we see Haggerty dress and just hold for Beattie or do we see do we uh, do we see him get swapped out last minute for um, um, Alfredo Gachuz Lozada um, the the other global kicker they have because um, I think you still need to field two global guys I may be wrong with that now but um, it's going to be an interesting uh, conundrum for Toronto to have if if uh, if there becomes questions in the the kicking game coming in 
but that should be something to keep an eye on. And uh, I didn't know about Haggerty, so thanks for uh, letting us know about his status yeah. as well. Um, fortunately, while we're on the kind of the topic of injury reports for the Argos, the good thing is uh, Devontae Coxie is coming back in. Um, so he's in on, on the wet, on the um, left side wide receiver spot right now. Um, and um, um, uh, what do I have it here? Um yeah, Jeremiah Hadell, Hadell is uh, returning back to the practice roster, so that's kind of where the substitution is. Um, there are some questions. I think that Unger might have not played as well, but it looks like he'll be good to go. So we pretty much have as good a receiving core as we're going to have, given Ambles is gone now. So um, everybody who's kind of, I think, the the, the first string uh, old fan, really good to I see you. I'd like to see them get Curly Gittens going. I know he had a good game against Hamilton, and I know he's had some rib injuries this year, mm -hmm. but he hasn't had a 100-yard game, and I'm just hoping they can get him going as well. They've obviously had Unger going. Unger going. They've had Coxie going. Mm -hmm. Daniels going. It would be nice to see Curly Gittens Jr. have his first 100-yard game of the uh, year against the Calgary Stampeders. Yeah, now's the time to do it. I would love to see it as well. Go Golden Hawks. Absolutely. And I, I also feel AJ Olette is going to have a great game as well. So I really, I think uh, Leak is someone to keep an eye out on. AJ Olette and Curly Gittins Jr. And for the defense, I would say keep your eye out for Winton McManus. That's my gut feeling on him. Yeah, McManus always has a solid game. The guy I'm, the guys I'm kind of thinking I'm looking at is the secondary. Um, Robertson Daniel in that uh, last Calgary game had uh, led he he broke an Argonauts record and I think was either tied or one short of tying a CFL record with 16 tackles. You don't want your halfback to be leading that statistic. Um, but given the injury to Pickett as well, it kind of forced their hand. What, I, what I'm really interested in seeing is the secondary play because um, um, uh, Jake, uh, yeah, Meyer has uh, not been a very consistent quarterback. Oh, when non I want Okay, and I wanted to ask you this as well. Uh, what is the latest on Maurice Cornell? He originally was supposed to be back middle of July, end of July, and and uh, and I don't know if he's going to be back even this season. Yeah, sounds like still nagging injuries. So I I don't know what the what the issue is if it's sort of the same thing continuing, but clearly he's not hundred percent. And but what we've seen is sort of the benefit with this Toronto Argonauts team is that they have the depth. ability, depth. yeah, the depth to rest guys. Which you, like if Stiggers hadn't have broken out and been such a um, a big corner, if um, and. It, and and Robert Priest, who are uh, both on the injured list as well. Um, Peter Jamal Peters is back, and and we've seen um, Amos Daniels and Mechie kind of be the guys in the safety halfback slots. So, um, if you didn't have guys step up like that, I I think you might have tried to see them rush him back in and potentially risk re-injury. But because they've got the depth that they can they can take it easy with Maurice and and really let him not play until he's a hundred percent good to go. Absolutely. And this leads to the next question. What are your thoughts on Calgary quarterback Jack, Jake, sorry, Jake Mayer and uh, head coach Dave Dickerson? And the Stampeders have not had a losing season since 2007. And the record is three and seven. But uh, this is actually a huge game for both teams because Calgary does not want to go to three and eight. And the Toronto Argonauts are only like a game and a half ahead of the Alouette. So this really is a big game for both teams Friday night. Yeah, they. 
Edmonton yeah, Elks in your rearview mirrors, you're probably heading in the wrong direction, which I completely agree with. Uh, thank you, Ben, for saying that. But um, yeah, I I think uh, well, I I've kind of said it before. My thoughts on Mayor, I'm still not quite sold on him because you're you're getting in from this offense. You're kind of seeing again, not entirely his fault when a lot but you're seeing a scheme that's really throw the ball five yards uh, down the field and just get first downs but not be able to punch it in when you need to and it kind of falls right into the trap of the Argos uh, ex exact style of play they're going to say we'll give you the, the five yard chippy pass all day long because you won't be able to throw the ball down the field without getting picked off and what we kind of saw in that Calgary game especially once the the, the the two plays kind of went Calgary's way and they took um, you didn't see Calgary really try to throw the ball deep. It, it became a really boring game because they just took what they were given and, and really just killed the clock. So it's, it's a good strategy when you're winning, but when you're losing, it's, it's not going to win you games. And we've, that's part of why they've, they've only got the, so I think if if you're going to have to take a risk probably and throw the ball downfield if you're Calgary, but Toronto secondary and, and linebacking core as, as a whole is probably one of the best in the league um, next to maybe BC or maybe Winnipeg. So do uh, you trying to do that there and not again? Yeah, Calgary does not have the offense to keep up with the Argonauts' offense. So Calgary's best win. Guess Calgary's best way to win is to to try to have a game like they did a couple weeks ago on the road. Because yeah. there's no way they're going to beat the Argonauts scoring 30, 40, 50 points. They're going to have. To... Sorry, go ahead, Nick. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I was going to say Chad plays really good at home. Keep in mind, like, like I don't. I think they've scored 30 points every game at home so far this year. So it's, it's going to be completely different um, than being on the road in Calgary. Absolutely. And uh, this leads to my next question. I asked Jim Barker about this, but I want to ask you this, Nick, too. Do you feel the Canadian Football League is doing enough to protect the starting quarterbacks with all the injuries to the starting quarterbacks through the league this season? Oh, that is a difficult question to answer. It's tough because, especially from the Argos' perspective, we've gotten called for roughing the passers, which have been, you know, brushing his helmet or his face mask and, and it getting called. And yeah, by the letter, the way they're calling the rule, they, they've called it. Or you see scenarios where the quarterback is clearly running and doesn't because uh, McManus puts his shoulder on his head um, while making the tackle. It's a penalty. So I think, yeah, the league is doing everything they, they've done in their position to try to prevent injuries and um, to quarterbacks. And, and I, I don't know what more you can do from a league perspective at this point. Like you look at the injury to Bo Levi Mitchell, the head by some egregious dirty hit like uh, like what happened to um, uh, to Fajardo or, or somebody like it was or um, it, it was it was just uh, it was just uh, um, or Masoli I was thinking of. it's just a football play gone wrong and we've kind of seen that across the league we saw that with Kelly's injury we saw that with Vernon Adams injury we saw Zach Caleros maybe a little different too because he's had that concussion history so it's like I don't know what you can do more to 
to to rectify that because it's you can't do any more from a penalty standpoint and um i don't know what you can do for like sub or a one game suspension is going to I, I think you just kind of have to just keep enforcing it the way you are. And I mean, there there's other years where, where guys don't get injured. Like last year, we only had uh, uh, 15 quarterbacks played. So it's like, I, I think it's just a year right now where quarterbacks have been inconsistent for most teams anyways. Um, Cause I'm, I, I think the only team left who hasn't had a backup play is Calgary. So yeah, I, I don't know what else you can do to protect quarterbacks with the way the rules are without making it just two-hand touch on them. By the way, I'm, I want to do a new segment with you, Nick, and I wanted to get your thoughts. Um, I w- I'd like to do one every show because it is the 150th anniversary of the Argonauts. And uh, on this date, August 31st, not quite August 31st, but August 31st, 1988 at Old C&E, Exhibition Stadium. One of my favorite running backs, number six, Gil the Thrill Finity, set a team franchise record with 215 yards against the Calgary Stampeders almost uh, 36 years ago today. Bring one in with, uh, especially with Calgary. Uh, uh, I'm not sure AJ Alettle or uh, Andrew Harris will be able to to break that record uh, uh, this week, but it, it'd be fun to see them try. Um, yeah, really really outstanding record and and uh, really cool to see it happen at the old cne stadium too uh, uh i really wish i could have been to see a game there well it's only five minutes from the current stadium and i uh they have markers for the blue jays there but they don't have any for the argos and it's like the argos played at that stadium longer than the blue jays did mm-hmm. and there was 12 gray cups on that site three vanier cups on that site so much history on that site and to me they should have goalpost markers or some plaque saying hey this is where the toronto argonauts played from 1959 to 88 in pittsburgh where they tore down three river stadium they have the 20 and 30 yard lines uh marked on the parking lot to remember mm-hmm. three river stadium uh, for the Steelers and their history. And I, I think Toronto needs to do a better job of recognizing their past history as well. And hopefully one day they'll do that at the uh, site of where the old exhibition stadium is. Yeah. It wouldn't be the first time the Argonauts get thrown under the bus for teams that, that don't win anything, but bring more bums and seats. So I, I don't know. All right. We're going to wrap this up with two more questions. Um, this one I wanted to ask you, Nick, what is your, what is, um, did you expect the Montreal Alouettes under new ownership to be six and three at this point of the season? And what are your thoughts on uh, head coach Jason Mar- Moss's job he's done in Montreal so far with that team? Yeah, well, I think, I think, uh, sort of contrast with what uh, Ken said and we were talking about, I think Montreal is. They've, they've showed after kind of a slight slip out of the gate, they have been uh, proved themselves so far as one of the better teams in the league. And yeah, you could say that they've, they've played teams like Edmonton, Hamilton, Ottawa, and, and pulling wins against those guys and not necessarily facing the big dogs, but well, they in uh, the gauntlet, but I mean, you, you got to win against the teams you play against. And how's it any different than when Toronto beats Hamilton on Labor Day and the, the week after? Is it really me? So I've been I've been quite pleasantly surprised, and I think it's a good thing that we've seen, especially with some of that ownership 
questions for them to to really bring the the football culture back into Montreal, and um, we have seen that happening. So it's it's a really good thing to see, and I've been really pleasantly surprised. And I've said before, I I really like Cody Fajardo, and I think he's been burned a lot in Saskatchewan um, just for not having a good old line in front of him. And I, I think like if you're if you're talking. I think Cody Fajardo would probably be one of the guys I would look at after like Chad Kelly or Zach Caleros probably. Um, yeah, still some little things that and I don't think you can underestimate them. They they almost beat Toronto, so um, they're they're better than I think a lot of people give credit to to still. And my biggest disappointment this year, um, I'm going to get hated in Hamilton, but I think the Hamilton Tiger Cats, they got Bo Levile, Mitchell, they were the host in the Grey Cup this year, and it's just been a disaster. And I think the loss to the Elks, uh, they hit rock bottom, losing 24-10 to 10 at home. And uh, I hate to say it, I like Orlando Steinauer. I think he's a good coach, but I think he needs to give up one of his roles. He either becomes the president and does that job, or he gives that up and lets somebody else take over that position and just focus on head coaching because the expectations for that team this year were to get to the Eastern final and get to the Grey Cup again. And uh, Hamilton is uh, regressing at this point of the season, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm not sure. Sometimes shifting, uh, Tom, like getting rid of Tommy Condell and then switching to someone with arguably even more conservative play calling and Scott Milanovic is necessarily the right way to go um, offensively. And it's tricky too, because um, Steinauer is in that defensive coach role, kind of different from someone like say Dinwiddie in Toronto as an, that's a, a, a stir in the pot, but I can agree with you. Like, cause you brought it up with Jim uh, Barker that, that, yeah, it's a big challenge trying to do both roles from a, um, a pl- an executive standpoint and to do the coaching thing. I think it's hard to say just after one game, um, and especially when they've had been plagued by such injuries like the Bo Levi Mitchell one. Um, there is, I think, maybe the potential that they'll have to make some uh, coaching changes um, in positions and roles after the year ends because I, I don't know if you're going to be able to really turn the ship around it might be too late but then again there's people in Edmonton who think if they can string just three or four wins together they'll they'll be back in the mix so anything can happen in the CFL and that's what makes um, after this coming up uh, the Argos need to really bring in on Labor Day okay Nick your Wi-Fi cut out. Okay. Anyways, yeah. guys. Yeah, you're back. It's just your Wi-Fi cut out there. We're going to wrap up. No, it's okay. And we're going to wrap up the segment. So next week, Nick, uh, if you don't mind, uh, just bring up a piece of Argos history. I think that would be a great segment to have on our show every week since it's 150th year. Having like uh, on this day on Argos history uh, segment, I think would be great. But we're going to wrap up our show with our final segment. And that's our weekly CFL picks for this week's games. And uh, I'll let you go first, uh, Nick. You got Montreal, Winnipeg tonight. Calgary, Toronto, obviously Friday night. Hamilton, BC, Saturday night. And then Sunday, Ottawa to Edmonton and can the Elks in that 22 game losing streak at home? Yeah, I know. Uh, I know some we've talked about that um, it would be it may be different if if Montreal was hosting rather than being in Winnipeg. But yeah, I'll take the shot. I'll I'll pick the underdog and go Montreal uh, this week. Um, obviously, I'm taking the good guys on Friday night tomorrow. 
um, while I stuffed myself with uh, corn dogs and uh, and forty five dollar bottles of wine, <laughs> um, I will pick BC and um, and um, yeah, I'm gonna still take Ottawa until I see it happen uh, uh, at home. Uh, sorry, Edmonton. I I do really like Trey Forden. I I absolutely think it was the right decision to put him in, but I I think um, Ottawa will have Edmonton's number this week to to win on the road. All right, I'm gonna go with uh, Winnipeg, uh, Toronto. BC and Edmonton. I'm going to go with all the home teams. Winnipeg, Toronto, BC, and Edmonton. I really think the Elks, Ottawa, that game's a toss-up, obviously. Yeah. But I think the Elks are going to finally do it. And uh, Hamilton, BC, I, I really think BC is going to blow them out. And Calgary, Toronto, I have the Argonauts winning by six points, 23-17. to 17. I think it's going to be a closer game than people think. So 23-17 Argonauts. And then Winnipeg, Montreal, I just think Winnipeg is playing well and they'll be at home. So I got to go with the Bombers. Yeah, I think with Winnipeg and Montreal, one of the questions is what kind of Caleros are we going to get? Because he has been kind of Jekyll and Hyde so far, um, which is why I'm kind of leaning towards Montreal. So if Montreal loses by 10 or less, I'd, I'd be happy to, to pick that spread. Um, um, for the Toronto, Toronto side, I've, like I've said, we've scored really well at home, and I think you might get something like a 32-17 to, to 17 type win for Toronto. I, I, I really worry about Calgary's offense. They have not looked good, so I, I don't see them scoring 20 or more. All right, and we're going to wrap up this show. This is episode six already here on this uh, Thursday, August 24th, 2023. I want to say thank you, everyone, watching this live stream audio on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter slash X. And this will also be on our 14 audio platforms, such as Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And also the Argo Bounce Live weekly audio show about the Toronto Argonauts is going to be aired on radio station WQEE 99.1 FM in Metro Atlanta, the home of Southern Talk and Sports. Uh, Nick, final thoughts as we wrap this up. Um. Yeah, in, enjoy the CNE. Um, take advantage of coming in early to try some of the crazy food or or some of the classic. See me there. I think this week I am going to switch it up a tiny bit and wear the uh, Royal Copeland jersey, the white seventy-seven, um, in the new style. So if you see me, um, go ahead and. Canargos and I love talking CNE food. So. Yeah, give me a holler, and uh, I'll be glad to talk to you. Some food and and talk about that. So, uh, and if not, I will see you at the game for sure. And uh, yeah, take take huge advantage of it and enjoy it because there there aren't too many days a year where you get a full fledged day long experience for an Argos game, and and it is just so much fun. So, and where can our audience find you again, Nick, on Twitter? at uh, um, nick underscore small underscore 38 um, i'm also on instagram under um, nick small 38 as well um, with periods instead um, so if you so if you see me um, feel free to drop a like or follow and um, i usually try to follow back fairly quick um, and yeah thanks again and, and i look forward to seeing you guys at the game tomorrow night 
and we will be there Sunday or Saturday, September nights at one o'clock for sure. And I will be watching on TSN tomorrow night, and uh, I'll definitely make sure I'm at the Grey Cup game next year as well. But Nick, we're going to wrap up uh, episode six of the new Argo Bounce live audio show here. And uh, I want to say thank you to everybody for watching live streamed, listening on audio platforms and on WQEE 99.1 FM. And thanks again to our guest, Ken Judge uh, from Ken's uh, Corner Podcast uh, for coming on as well. And we're going to end this show with the, uh, our new theme song, the uh, Argonauts Fight Song. And uh, I have to find out which group and what year that song was created because I think it's such a uh, catchy song for the team. Yeah, I have a CD-ROM copy or something that includes it among with other um, so-called Toronto Argonauts songs, but that's that's the only real Argonauts, I guess, contemporary pop or rock or whatever. Um, but yeah, thanks again to Ken, and thank you, Chris. And uh, yep, take care, everybody, and enjoy the game tomorrow. You too, Nick, and we'll talk to you soon, and uh, we'll definitely see you September nights for that Montreal game. And uh, thanks again, Nick, for coming on tonight, and enjoy the CNE and the game tomorrow, and we'll see you next week for Episode 7 of the uh, live audio Argo Bounce show here on uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, LinkedIn, etc. Uh, Nick, thank you so much. Uh, enjoy the game, and we'll talk to you soon. And we're going to end this with the uh, Toronto Argonauts uh, fight song.